reading the book was kind of like a revelation in a way. And it wasn't like I didn't know things before. I knew things. I knew things about my body. I was pretty in touch with my body. I, I think the book landed in my lap maybe in my 20s. And the title of the book is Taking Charge of Your Fertility. This is a classic. Maybe you've read it. Maybe you've seen it. But it's an entire book about you know, the cycle, women's uh, menstrual cycle, women's fertile time, how you can be aware of it, what the discharge means at different times, um, what your temperature means. And it was so awakening to me, really, to be like, but I thought I was in touch with my body. I learned all kinds of things, the sort of myths that all the women and other people walk around thinking that you could get pregnant at any time of your cycle, for example, or, or what the really most fertile time is, or the fact that somehow we would be out of touch with the fact that we have a, quote, heat. You know, I'm thinking of the puppy, the dog goes through heat. But that there's a period of time, right, where our smell changes and our a sense of arousal changes and our sense of excitement changes, and that's our most fertile period. It was it wasn't just educational. It was also amazing to understand how much women's fertility has been shrouded in a kind of mystery and also given to us as a terrible burden. Welcome to the only podcast that will bring you more alive while you smash the patriarchy. Join me, Sam Wilde, aka The Fertile Feminist, every week as we shift the paradigm, reclaim our native fertility, and create together the version of ourselves that brings forth our heart's desires and changes the world. Welcome back to the program. I'm so happy that you're here, that you're listening in, that you're sharing this podcast, that we get to be together, that I get to share some of the ideas that are on my mind, and that together we get to do this work of bringing ourselves alive while, while allowing that life that comes inside of us to be part of what changes the world and brings the world more alive. So that's what we're doing here on the podcast. And today, as many days, I'm talking about fertility. And I'm talking about fertility as a feminist issue. But before you turn it off, thinking that fertility, you know, as we often do, has nothing to do with me, or feminism has nothing to do with me, I want you to think about the fact that whether a woman has one child or 20 children or no children, her fertility affects every area of her life. In fact, how we have children, when we have children, how many children we have starts to inform us from such a young age. Now we know that when uh, little girls are born, they're born with every egg that they have in their body. I mean, that's kind of amazing. And then when little girls start to bleed, which is often quite young for them, it all of a sudden comes on the table, the fertility. Of, of what are essentially children, sometimes as young as nine or 10 who are bleeding. It starts to become part of the consciousness of the mind, even those who don't identify as women who are in uh, bodies that are bleeding, 
right? Their lives, the rhythms of their days become affected by this. Now, on the one hand, you have groups of people who love that, embrace that, and, and there was this sense of, in, in certain veins of the feminist movement that part of what we needed to do was to uh, love our bodies, embrace our periods, um, be more honest, more expressive inside of them. Despite that work, it is still an area of mystery, a secrecy, disgust, right? It's still a place where people are hiding their little tampons or they want little discreet packages around their maxi pads. Think about how your own life has been shaped and formed by your fertility. The title of that book I mentioned to you, Taking Charge of Your Fertility, I love that title. The book is a very natural book. It's really about how you can take charge of your fertility without being on um, drugs or medication to control your cycle. And, and for that reason, some people don't love that book. But it has a lot of information in it. And the thrust of the book is so powerful and so feminist. It's about knowing and relating to and understanding our bodies, but it's also about having that knowledge so that we can direct the ship of our bodies. So many women from the time they start bleeding feel like they're in a body that's against them, that they don't understand, that's uh, painful or hurtful, and that continues as sort of Adam and Eve, very old, archaic, dusty, outdated, understanding of women that they're kind of under the curse think about that that that's one of the ways we describe that monthly cycle is the curse it's powerful how these ideas get into our consciousness even though they're not true they're not helpful and they're not real the lives of women as people who choose to bring forth babies or don't choose to bring forth babies, become the scarlet letters, right? The, those choices become the scarlet letters for our lives. If you have any um, understanding or knowledge of early pregnancy loss, let's say you've had one of your own, you know somebody who had it, or other loss in pregnancy, later term loss, or uh, early birth loss, those stories are also stories that are living in a kind of secrecy. They're underground or they belong only to certain communities. And why is that? Fertility doesn't just affect women. Obviously, fertility affects men. And the studies around fertility and people who are going through what they call, quote, I put it in quotes, infertility, uh, has discovered that a lot of couples trying to have babies, the reason it's not working has to do actually with the male side of the equation. But we do still continue to think of all fertility, even though it might have two people involved, as a woman's problem. And that's what I meant when I said at the beginning, it's shrouded in a kind of mystery, but it's also given to us as a tremendous burden. You can ruin your life having a child. You can ruin your life not having a child. Think about placing that burden on somebody when for most of us, having a child is something that we wouldn't do uniformly or unilaterally. 
and most of the time they're of course single mothers by choice and those who are going into a situation knowing that they're really doing it solo there's a different position but for a lot of us how it's happening is happening in a situation where there's another person making a decision involved in it and yet the weight of that comes to be on the woman for that reason fertility is a feminist issue and because we live in a patriarchy our lens is so dirty, our lens is so clouded about how to live, how to make those choices. And we can see this in the ways that criticism, judgment exists about the choices of other women. Now, you could fall anywhere alongside the spectrum. You could be someone who just doesn't care what other people do. You don't have an opinion, whether they have a baby or don't have a baby or have more babies or no babies. Or you could be one of those people who has an absolute sense of what, what's the right way to do it. You do it that way and you think other people should do it that way, right? So there are plenty of people who say you should have two children, you should have them in your 20s. And there are people who say you should have two children and you should have them in your 30s. And there are plenty of people who wait until they're in their 40s and they want to have children then when they've established their career. But you can find people with any sort of opinion and that opinion is going to be pretty strongly held. And that opinion is also what informs their judgment and their criticism or their condemnation of those around them. In that way, the issue of fertility becomes a feminist issue in community and how we treat each other and how we judge each other and how we talk to each other. And I've talked before on this program about how my experience of having five children has, has continuously opened my eyes to an incredible kind of prejudice that's very subtle. But that prejudice is the same, comes from the same origin as the overturn of Roe versus Wade. It comes from a sense of arrogance inside of individuals and collective groups of people that we know and can prescribe what somebody else could or could not do with their body in relationship to their fertility. How much more powerful, when we think about the overturn of Roe v. Wade, does it then become to take charge of our fertility? What does that really mean in terms of that book, it was a very technical book. It really just meant taking charge of when you have children, if you have children, and so on. But in the way I think about fertility, to take charge of our fertility is to, people, is to be people who take charge of our life force. It is to take charge of our life energy, which is our most precious resource. It is to be people who honor and appreciate and acknowledge the power and the divinity of life force itself that comes through us but doesn't belong to us, that generates for us but also for others and the world itself. To take charge of that aspect of life that is flowing through us is to be people who aren't simply, you know, jumping onto the white water rafts and having no idea where you're going but to be people awakening to that sense. I've been given a precious gift and it's mine to really consider deeply, to hold in a precious way and to make choices about. 
about the time that I was considering having a third child, I was in conversation with my husband about it. And it was very interesting to me because I, I knew that I wanted to have more than two children. I loved having children. I thought it would be really wonderful to have a big family. As I've mentioned before, I'd done a lot of research on big families and the things that are good about them and so on and so forth. And I was walking around at the grocery store with my little kids or wherever I was. I can remember specifically being at Atkins, but I did this in a lot of places. And anytime anyone would speak to me who was older, which happened a lot, older women, grandmotherly types, oh, your children are so beautiful, or how old are they? They talked to me. Anytime anybody who seemed older than me would talk to me, I would ask them how many children they had. And then I would ask them if that was as many children as they'd wanted to have. It was something like that. And there's an actual way to describe that officially, that there's a gap between the number of children women have and the number of children women want to have. I don't remember what the language is for that. That's okay. But when I would talk to these people, invariably, they would say that they'd wished they'd had more children. And it was interesting because that was a one piece of what informed my decision. None of their other things, obviously. It wasn't just the old ladies and Atkins. For many reasons, I want another child. But it was interesting to see for how many women that was a regret. Of course, I can tell you a story about a woman I knew who had many, many children and uh, regretted her, her last child. There was another woman I can remember meeting. She had four, and she told me she always wished she hadn't had the fourth because that's when everything went downhill and kind of ruined her life. <laughs> so I can go all different kinds of ways. But I was, in fact, struck by that sense of, of regret and, and longing. And I spoke with a woman the other day who said to me, you have five children. Now, when people say that to me, I, I'm preparing myself for some variation of an insult to follow. Even the most educated, compassionate, and sort of enlightened person can't seem to prevent themselves from insulting me, following, finding out how many children I have. And I said, yes. And she said, I wish I had five children. And we went on to talk about that. And it was lovely, because that's not, uh, it's not often the response that I get to that. And through that longing, she had a conversation opened up. But where does that kernel of judgment and criticism come from? Where does that kernel of longing come from? Where, how is it that we end up with women who have too many children, who don't want so many, not enough children, when this is such a central component? Now you have a story. You have one child, you have two children, you have no children, you have three children. However many children you have, you have a story. And it's intricately woven into the very fabric of your life, how those children came, how those children didn't come, whether you decided, whether they came as a surprise, whether they were longed for, your sense of yourself as a mother, your sense of yourself as someone who couldn't be a mother. Each of those pieces, it gets so, so woven in, it's almost hard to separate those strands. But I think it's important because we are disempowered in our fertility. And in order to empower ourselves truly and genuinely, 
We need to take those strands out and look at them honestly, without any judgment. When I was early in college, I belonged to a pro-choice activist group. And I can remember sitting, this was at Wellesley College my first year, I can remember sitting in this group of women that was part of this. And we were talking about different things. And I said, I believe in abortion as a right for women. But I know personally that I couldn't have one because of my spirituality. <laughs> well, that's an interesting thing, isn't it, for somebody to say. And as life proceeded, I, I got to confront that view a number of times, actually, in my life to really think about where that had come from, how we can say things all the time. Like, well, oh, sure, fine for other people, but not for me. And inherent in that is a kind of judgment. It's that way of being people who are unwilling to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. I mean, of course, I had no idea. I was, however old I was, 18 years old, I had no idea what I would do if I was in that situation. And for each woman who comes to a place where they're choosing or not choosing or having the choice taken away from them, the circumstances that bring them there are so complicated. Why then is it only the responsibility of that woman? Why is it only her burden? And why is it a burden? Why is life force used, directed, re-navigated? Why is any of that a burden? It's patriarchy. It's misogyny. It could be and should be and eventually will be different. Is your choice inherently bad or good? Absolutely not. It is like the snake with its venom. Right? In one case, that venom could save you like medicine. In another case, it would kill you. Right? In and of itself, it's nothing. I remember years and years and years ago talking to a friend, and she was right there in her car outside of the reproductive clinic. And she was uh, going to head in there to terminate a pregnancy, and she was in a state of anguish because she couldn't figure out what she wanted to do. And she couldn't figure out what she wanted to do because she couldn't even find her voice. It was so lost in the voices of others, in the layers of guilt, in the layers of shame, layer after layer after layer of judgment. We had a very long talk until she really could come to the place where she understood. What would it mean for me to take charge of my fertility? That lens, which is the lens of patriarchy we're trying to clear, is the one that, if it were clear, we would be able to be making these choices. Again, is it is it inherently good or bad to have a child or to not have a child? To work with our life force energy and direct or redirect it. I think about my children going down to a river, any river, honestly, they love rivers. And they'll go in there and they'll play with the stones and sometimes they'll build up stones and you can, if it, in a nice low river, it's not too much water, you can build up a little dam and, and you could get the water to go around it. 
right? And you can and you can make the water uh, go a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right. Make a pool over here, and that happens naturally every time branches are falling or sticks or twigs or be beavers are getting involved. This is artistry, the artistry of our life, right? That I have life force, which is my which is an honor, which is a privilege, life force, and then I'm going to listen to my highest self as I helped my friend to do in that moment. I'm going to listen to my highest self, not your highest self, not what you think highest self is, my highest self. And I'm going to decide, does the river flow this way? Does it flow that way? <laughs> Am I going to put the rocks here? What a beautiful neutrality could be held around a sacred phenomenon, our reproductive lives that we would have not the noise of culture, religion, but the quiet voice of self to take charge of my fertility would then become part of my spiritual path, not a religious path <clears throat> where we have some guy somewhere, whether it's that big guy in the sky, we anthropomorphize as God or the Pope telling us. Someone who has no sense either of what it's like to be in this body or the particular circumstances of our lives. You and me are people who can hear directly from our source, from our God, from the universe, from all that is, whatever language we use from life. Fertility, the gift of fertility, the gift of life for us, reminds us not just of what's precious at a child, but truly what's precious about us. And that's the rub, my friends. That's the bedrock. That's the kernel of truth I'm talking about. Every bit of cultural BS that happens around our fertility, at the heart of it is the message that we are not precious, we are not valuable, we are not worthwhile, we uh, could be dispensed of, we are only useful as a vehicle for bringing other life forth, forth into the world. And to reclaim, to take charge of your fertility as life force, is to be one who says, I am precious, I am valuable, I am worthwhile, me as I am now. You know, regardless of number of children, zero or 25, doesn't even matter. I am precious, I am valuable, I am worthwhile. The propaganda of the pro-life movement even the propaganda of some spiritual movements as they talk about fertility and the choices we make, take away from us and destroy the inherent worth of the woman. And that's why, of course, it is a feminist issue. Because if we see correctly what fertility is, we correct our view of women. And that's what feminism is all about, having a correct view of the value of women and men, of humanity, liberating our view that has been so constrained by such ancient voices that even those of you out there who are like, I don't give a crap about Adam and Eve, are living out that story on an unconscious level. Life force in you, fertility in you, is the affirmation of your holiness, your preciousness as you are, 
not as a vehicle, but as one who has the privilege of making choices. And those choices in and of themselves are neither good nor bad. How wonderful to imagine a culture in which uh, girls come to that moment where they start to bleed and they get all the information about what it means, all their cycles, and they're totally celebrated. And that life force that moves with blood becomes not the source of a burden, but a way of being connected to our divinity. You know, when you think about in the Christian church, we have the body and blood of Christ. We have communion. And, but thinking a lot about that with Tommy and with some people who are part of the sacred order of the great mother. And those images of body and blood are so resonant with women's experience, right? Because we bleed and our blood gives life and is part of creating new life and so forth. It's not actually a male thing at all, even though in the Christian tradition it's completely been co-opted as a male voice. But that's life, the blood of life, right? And life is just possibility, pure possibility. So maybe it's the possibility of a child, maybe it's a possibility of a hundred other things. How different would our lives and our culture be if that was a gift and not a burden? And I don't mean you have the gift of having children. I mean a true understanding of what fertility means. You go outside and you see your beautiful garden and you understand really what life is all about. You understand systems. You understand um, fruition. You understand seasons. Every lesson could be learned there. That is the life of our bodies. That's the life we understand through our physical fertility. And that's the life we understand through the fertility of our minds the fertility of our hearts is very powerful. And I would encourage you to really take a moment or two, since this is what's on the podcast, to think about how you've been influenced and affected by your physical fertility journey, how the lens of the patriarchy has taken away or disempowered that view of yourself, how you may have shame or guilt or any kind of feelings surrounding how many children you had, how not having children, deciding to have children, that burden. And we could then become beacons for a clearer way of thinking, right? The future and the next and then and the restoration of Roe v. Wade is going to come from clear thinking about what it means to be people who are creative. Creating life, creating children, creating art, creating music, creating books, creating businesses, co-creating with the source of all life, a future in which we can have liberty, liberty and understanding and how we move through the choices of our life. That's what I'm thinking about this week. And how are you doing? What are you thinking about? Until next time, I hope you have a really beautiful day. Thanks for listening in. This is me, Sam Wilde, a.k.a. The Fertile Feminist. And you've been listening to The Fertile Feminist Podcast. Find me on YouTube at The Samantha Wilde, a.k.a. The Fertile Feminist. And hit the website, thesamanthawilde.com, for all kinds of resources, inspirations, and ideas. Also on Instagram, at the Fertile Feminist. Until next week, 
May you tap into that native abundance, creativity, fruitfulness, and life force that's going to help us all bring about that more beautiful world that we know is possible.